Good morning. Before we get started, I need a volunteer from the audience. Bam, right there. He already went. <laughs> All right, perfect. So you got to be willing to get, uh, get dirty. So you got to get in here. There's a prize in here. You got to get it, open it up, and go, go ahead and get dirty. Try not to get it all over the place. Go ahead. Did you find it? Yeah, you found it. There it is. Open it up. Open it up. <laughs> Can you get it? That's why I didn't put it right in the middle. <laughs> Can you get it? <laughs> it's stuck in there. There you go. There you go, my friend. Make sure you don't rip it. There you go. So to say, yeah, say what it is. A ten dollar bill. Go ahead, take a seat. Thank you for give it up for him. Now, I, I know Ed is probably thinking, man, I'm not doing that every week. <laughs> but I, I did that to make a point, right? Because a lot of times our Christianity, we aren't willing to actually get dirty. We're not willing to actually get down on the ground on our hands and knees and get into the dirt to receive the prize. And so I welcome you onto a journey today. And let's get dirty. Good morning. My name is Javon Johnson. I'm a chaplain in the United States Navy. I am stationed at Camp Pendleton, working with um, 1st Marine Division uh, 111. And today we're talking about getting dirty. And so the, the verse that we have today, just a second, is Romans chapter 10, verse 10, 14 through 13 through 16. It says, but in the first part, it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so we know how we go about doing that. Jesus comes down from heaven and he says, I'm giving you the great commission. Go out into all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that I've commanded you to do. And in the process of us speaking the word, people are supposed to come to Jesus and be saved. And as Paul is writing this letter, he asks these questions. He says, how then can they call on the one who they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one who they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? And it's real easy for us as Christians in this day and age to focus simply on the preaching part, simply on the, the verbal part, going out and telling people, proclaiming the gospel. Yet at the very end of this, he says, how can anyone preach unless they are sent? It means that we have to take our feet and put ourselves in the spaces where people need the gospel the most. I have this question for you. How can we expect our Christianity to have an impact on the world if we're not willing to get dirty? I'm going to ask you that again. How can we expect our Christianity to have an impact on the world if we're not willing to get dirty? 
And we, we, we would sit back and we look at the world problems that we see people with do, doing abortions and we see people with divorces and we see people living in poverty and say, oh, the world is messed up. Something's wrong with the world. Yet our lives are pretty good because we have received the gospel and our lives are pretty clean. And we know the gospel. We know what can actually bring forth life, bring forth cleanliness in their lives, but we don't go out and do it. And it says this, excuse me, Paul continues. He says, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. He doesn't say how beautiful are the words of those who bring the good news. He doesn't say how beautiful is the preaching of those who bring the good news. He doesn't say how beautiful is the intellect of those who bring, no, he said how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news, which he is indicating to us that in order for us to actually get to the point where we're spreading the gospel, where we're doing what God has called us to do, we have to put our feet in the spaces where people who need the gospel the most are. So Jesus does this over and over again. He does this with the man with leprosy. He does this with the woman with fever, the demon-possessed people. He does it with the blind man, the paralyzed man, prostitutes and sinners. And never once do you see Jesus sitting in the temple and say, hey, hey, guys, come to me. Bring your, heal, your, your, your sick and your disease to me, and I will heal you. Or he tells the disciples, hey, hey, disciples, I'm going to chill out in the temple, and you go over there and get the people to come to me. No, Jesus takes his feet and he walks into the spaces that people are in. And I get it. Here's what I get, man. Like, I understand. I spent most of my life, uh, in the, when I, in the beginning of my life, living in a poor neighborhood, dangerous neighborhood, dangerous situation. And I spent most of my life trying to put my wife and my kids in a position where they don't have to deal with that. Where they don't have to be around people that can drive by and kill you <laughs> at a moment's notice. So I get it. I understand it. I understand why we don't want to put our stuff in these spaces, why we don't want to take our feet and go where people are. But this is exactly what Jesus does. He does it over and over again. But here's what I think. We have become accustomed to the easy and neat Christianity. We have become accustomed to it. In 2 Kings chapter 5, you have this man. His name is Haman. And he's a great soldier, great soldier in the army. He's doing all these great things, but he gets leprosy. In the process of getting leprosy, he's like dying over here. He's one of the best soldiers that they have. And one of his servants was like, hey, you need to go see Elijah. Elijah can help heal you. He was like, okay. So he sends a letter to the king, say, king, can I, can I request permission to go with you guys? I mean, to, this, to Elijah. So the king said, yeah, of course, you're my best soldier. I need you to go ahead and do that. So he goes, right? And then he gets there, he gets on his horse with his servants and does all this, all, all this traveling, gets to the door, Elijah sends his servant out, say, hey, tell him all he has to do is dip himself in the water in the Jordan River seven times, and he'll be clean. That's it. That's all you got to do. Dip yourself in the water seven times, you'll be clean. And the dude got mad. He was like, wait a minute. I came all this way, he told me to go dip myself in the dirtiest water? Seven times. I thought he was going to come out and was going to, you know, put, anoint me with oil and do all this spectacular stuff. And so he leaves away angry. He's upset. He's mad. And he goes away and the servants follow him and say, hey, sir, if he would have told you to do something great, would you not have done it? If he, if he would have told you to do something spectacular, would you not have just done it? 
And of course, he was like, well, of course. And so he went, he dipped himself in the water seven times, and he was healed. And I often think that us as Christians in this American Christianity, we do the same thing to God. And we sit back and we wonder why our Christianity isn't bearing fruit. And we wonder why our Christianity isn't going anywhere. And we wonder why people aren't racing the doors or doing anything. And we say, God, please give me an opportunity to help people. And then when he gives you the opportunity, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I didn't mean that opportunity. <laughs> I, I don't really want to do that. That's a little bit too hard. Can I just donate money? Can I, can I just say a little prayer? You see, we've become accustomed to the neat and easy Christianity. We're accustomed to this. This is me. Um, I took a group of people to Habitat for Humanity in San Diego. I took a group of kids, um, not kids, I don't want to call them kids, Marines and sailors, <laughs> to go and we built, helped build co um, condos for underprivileged people. Now, granted, we got a little bit dirty. You know, you get a little bit dirty, you wear, wear clothes. But we, I mean, that's, that's real easy. That, that, that's really, if you think about it, it's really not that hard. But if we were to look at it from the outside and our Christianity, we'd be like, yeah, that's a great job. It's a great thing that you're doing. You're doing a great opportunity. But yes, th those things are great. But it's not the only thing that we're called to. In fact, I took a group of 25, when I, I was working at the North County Church of Christ, and I took a group of 25 teenagers and 10 adults on a mission trip to Panama, I highly suggest that you don't take a group of 25 teenagers and 10 people to Panama. But we took them to Panama, and, and we would get there. We're very American. They take us to uh, Panama City, where it's all great, and it pretty much is like America, America in Panama City. And so we get there, and the kids are just kind of like being, you know, American kids and kind of complaining about things that they shouldn't be complaining about. And then we finally get to the point where they take us up this mountain, right? And on, there's no rail, no guardrail, nothing. We're in the back of trucks. And we're just shaking and doing you know, all this stuff. And like, people think they're going to die. And we get, finally get up to the point where we're able to help with these kids, these poor kids. So we get there. Um, the kids are in school. So we decided that we wanted to go eat. So in the process of eating, um, we haven't eaten yet. We get the food prepared. We're like, hey, I tell the lady, hey, we're gonna, after we eat, we're going to come and we're going to help with the, with the, with the um, young kids. She's like, oh, no, we're sending them home. I'm like, send them home? That's what we, that's what we came up here for. Why? Why are you send them home? She's like, well, the Panamanian government doesn't send food for them up to the mountain. And so we send them home midday so they can go back down and get something to eat, if they get something to eat. Well, this kind of broke the heart of these American kids. And they were like, oh, no, I don't want to eat. I don't, I don't want to do anything. So we gathered up a whole bunch of money. We went back down the mountain, grabbed some food and, and, and all the stuff, and we, we took care of them. And it's interesting, as, as, as we're doing that, I, I hadn't told them yet that we were going to be sleeping on concrete floors for three nights. <laughs> and then I finally told them that they was complaining, oh, I can't believe we're sleeping on the floor, blah, blah. I'm like, you know, calm down, whatever. And we got and we slept on the floor and bats were attacking us and one of our kids killed the bat and it was amazing. But, <laughs> but afterwards, what was interesting, afterwards, we had spent like three days there sleeping on, sleeping on the ground, roughing it out with the kids, you know, like, it's so interesting because they decided, you know, I mean, not that they decided, some of the kids, when they come up to the mountain, they have to walk three miles up the mountain. You know how your grandma, grandpa, oh, when I was your age, I walked three miles in the snow, with no, what, you know, these kids really walked three miles, not up a hill, up a mountain, just to get to school, just to have education. And the kids saw that and it made an impression on them. And so afterwards, we were scheduled to go to another city, and we stayed in a hotel. It wasn't an impressive hotel. 
It was a pretty rinky-dink one. It was pretty bad. But when they got there, it was like, oh, Javon, thank you so much. <laughs> what did we do to deserve this? I was like, really? I was like, this place is terrible. But if I would have took them there first, you know what would have happened? They would have complained about it. They would have complained about it. Our desire for easy and neat Christianity actually prevents us from spreading the gospel. Our desire for easy and neat Christianity actually prevents us from spreading the gospel. And so I have Jesus walking with, uh, he's just walking down the street and this rich man comes up to him and say, hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What, what should I do? Jesus is like, well, I'm going to list up, he'll start listing off all the commandments. This is what you need to do. He's like, Jesus, I, I, I've been doing that since I was little. He was like, okay. Well, this is what he responded to him. He said, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. The man walked away sad. And we don't hear anything about this man for the rest of eternity other than this story. He said, sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. You would think that Jesus, he travels all the time. He's doing, going from place to place to place, he's like, hey, man, I, I, I kind of, you know, it'd be nice if you, 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 we can use your money so we can go to these different places. Or better yet, he was like, well, you know what? When, I, when I'm about to die, I'm going to tear down the temple anyway, so why don't you use some of your money to rebuild a new temple? But he doesn't do that. He says, sell all, everything you have and give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. Basically, he's saying this, stop being comfortable and safe and come get dirty with me. Stop being comfortable and safe and come get dirty with me. And I think, without a shadow of a doubt, this is the same message that God is speaking to the American church today. Stop being comfortable. Stop being safe. And come and let's get dirty with Jesus. You see, we live right on the edge of getting dirty. We, we live right, right, right here, and then when it gets a little bit uncomfortable, we are, we are, I want to do that. There was this lady, she was at the Callus Conference. She's an older white lady. She said that her and her group, her church, they decided they wanted to go to Compton and help poor people. So they, 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 they got a whole bunch of money and resources and stuff, and they set up all the things. They went out door knocking and said, hey, come to our event, come to our event, come to our event. And then they set up the event. The event comes, and it's big, grandiose. There's food, games, all kind of stuff. Let's say it started at 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock rolled around, no one showed up. In fact, the only activity that they saw was that a, a car would go past, look a little bit, roll around. That happened several times for about an hour. People walk up to the gate, kind of see what's going on, kind of scope it out, and then when the people come up, they walk away. And so they got kind of a little frustrated. They're like, man, it's been an hour and a half. Why are people not coming to our event? So they go out there and talk to people, and then people, eventually they start coming to the event. Right. So they get there and this lady, she said, I was just walking around being Christian, doing all this stuff, saying all these things. And I walk up to these, these two ladies, two young ladies, 10 year old, 14 year old. And as she walks up to him, she was like, hey, how's it going? You know, in a Christian way. And they were like, shut up talking to me. <laughs> she was just she was taken back. She's like, what? She's like, I'm over here helping you. I'm doing all this stuff. She got pretty upset. And she's like, what, what do you mean? She's like, you guys aren't going to do anything but come over here, give us a few, you know, good stuff, and then leave and go back to your comfortable lives. And she was taken back by that. 
because she literally thought that she was doing the gospel. And she was like, well, what do you want us to do? And of course, the girl, they start trying to take advantage of it. Like, you need to get our hair done. You need to do this. You need to do that. And they start listening off this thing. And so she's writing it down and doing all this stuff. She's like, I'm going to do that. And they, she's like, they were like, yeah, right. You're not going to do that. But she ended up doing that. So she does that. She takes them out. She does all these things for them. And then she finds out all this horrible things that's happening to them in that family. So much so that she, they were going to become going to the foster care system. And so this lady, out of the goodness of her heart, decided that she wanted to adopt them. She adopted these people, and she took them in, and they went on to go to college and do things that people wouldn't normally do from Compton. All because she was willing to put her feet in the spaces where people are who need the gospel the most. Now, she went there with a different purpose. She went there to have the easy, comfortable, nice-looking Christianity. But God attacked her with a dirty one and said, this is the Christianity that I need you to participate in. You see, we live right on the edge of getting dirty with the gospel. And I understand that, you know, getting dirty can get you criticized, right? You can get criticized for being dirty. So Jesus is walking. He sees Matthew, the tax collector. He said, hey, come follow me. Matthew takes him to his house. They have a big old party. And he's hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. And the Pharisees are like, yeah, why is Jesus hanging out with sinners and tax collectors? They start criticizing him. And I know we get on the Pharisees very much, very much so, and sometimes rightfully so, sometimes I think it's a little unfair. But I, I would wonder if you saw preachers in Starbucks having a conversation, a Bible study with a known prostitute. Wouldn't we be doing some of the same things? How did he meet that prostitute anyway? Why is he studying the Bible with a prostitute? Don't he know what she does? I understand it. Getting dirty can get you criticized. Getting dirty can also get you alienated. Jesus is talking with the woman. Well, he shouldn't be talking to her at all. She's a Samaritan. She's a woman. She's basically a prostitute for the most part. He shouldn't be talking. He comes back to his disciples and they don't say anything to him. They just kind of look, they just kind of look away. It's like, oh, man, like we, they was kind of embarrassed because he should not have been talking to this woman. And even in that moment, his disciples alienated him a little bit because he should not have been talking to her at all. And I bet there's people at our works and our schools, there's people around that we should not be talking to because it looks bad. And I understand that if you do go talk to that person who is outcast or whatever, especially if you're at school, they're probably going to be like, oh, he, she hangs out with him or he hangs out with her and you're going to get a bad rep. I understand that you can get alienated. Getting dirty can get you alienated. Getting dirty could put your life at risk. And Jesus has this man comes up. He has a shriveled hand and he's about to heal it on the Sabbath day. And then, and then the Pharisees come up to him and say, whoa, 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 whoa. You know it's unlawful to heal or do anything on the Sabbath day. So Jesus get, you know, goes back and forth with him and then he heals him. And then they plotted to kill him. All because he was helping someone. I'm going to give you a, a stat. It says this. There are more than 400,000 children in the foster care system. That's just in America. There's over 400,000 children in the foster care system. There are more than 120,000 children in orphanages. orphanages. That's, that's just in America. Now, if I add that up, there's about 520,000 people who don't have families. I'm pretty sure there's more than 520,000 Christians in America 
Yet the neat and comfortable and safe Christianity says, we need to get rid of abortion, which is true. We don't, we don't want to be killing babies. But in the process of not killing babies, where are we sending them? Where are we sending them? And, and here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we should gather up and all of us just go adopt a child right now. I know everybody has different situations and different um, scenarios that don't allow you to do that. But at the same time, I ask this question to you. What extra step are you willing to take to get dirty? What extra step are you willing to take to get dirty? Because I, I look at that situation and people post, oh, this is how many kids die of abortion and abortion is bad and this is this. And then we don't do anything about the kids who don't have families. Yet, even though we, I find it odd because God adopted us into his family. And you would think since God adopted us into his family, we weren't Jews. We were once alienated. We were once without a father, without a mother. And he adopted us. And what more should we do for the people? Just, we don't have to go that far. You don't have to go to Russia. You can go right here. Over 520,000 children in the foster care or orphanages. What extra step are you willing to take to get dirty? This guy right here, his name is Michael Orr. He's was an NFL football player, but before that, he grew up in a very poor part of town, very discouraging. His dad died before he was 16. His mom was a crackhead. Um, he was one of 12 children who grew up very, very poor. Well, one of the ladies came in contact with him, and she, her husband decided that they were going to take this young man in. They took him in, and they, they fed him, and they adopted him, and, you know, did all the necessary things. Now, I wonder, now she had a teenage daughter at the time. She could have made all the excuses in the world, like, I got this big black boy in my house. He could do something to my daughter. He can steal all my stuff because he grew up poor, and I don't trust him. He might bring one of those drug addicts to my house. She could have made all the excuses in the world, but she doesn't because her heart was broken when she saw what was going on in this young man's life. And she said, you know what? I can't stand back and just do comfortable, easy, safe Christianity. I have to help this young man more than that. If you don't know, Michael Orr, this, the, he's, his story is inspired by the movie called The Blind Side. And so that's the story. Here's another one. Her name is Annie Lobert. Annie, at the age of nine, she was raped repeatedly up until 16. By 16, she got out of the house. She moved to Las Vegas. She became a stripper. Eventually, she became a high-class um, call girl, if you want to call them high-class, right? So she became that, and she, years of abuse, rape, all type of things happened to her. And eventually, she got a drug overdose, and she was in the hospital. And the church decided that they were going to get a little bit dirty. And they went to her hospital bed, and they told her about Jesus. And in 2010, she started a foundation called Hookers for Christ. I know it sounds weird, but it's Hookers for Christ. And what she does is she goes out to where the prostitutes are, and she preaches the gospel to them. Because she said, the gospel has changed my life in so much, such a dramatic way that I have to tell you about it. The, 
Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I think in, in Christianity today, we need a new mindset. We need a mindset that focuses on that part where it says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Do, do we understand what sacrifice is? It's not sacrificing a little bit of our time or a little bit of our money or a little bit of our resources. It's sacrificing everything because we understand that our treasures is not found here on earth. It is found in heaven. And the more we hold on to these treasures, the more we value the things of this earth, the less likely it is that we're going to go out and tell people about the true and one and only God. Because we want the comfortable and easy and neat Christianity that says all you got to do is show up, check a box, go to church, listen to a sermon, go have lunch, go to work, make as much money as you can. And when people ask, here, I'm going to donate a little bit of it but not enough to make me uncomfortable, just enough to help with the resources. And never putting ourselves, taking our feet, and going into the spaces where people who need the gospel the most are. How then can they call on the one they had not believed in? And how can they believe in the one who they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? God is calling all of us to go. I don't know what that looks like for you. I can spell it out specifically for you, but I don't know every ins and out of how your life and how your days go. But I guarantee you there's an opportunity for you to share the gospel, to you to go into somebody's life, go into somebody's space and actually get dirty with them. And I know for a fact that there's people in this room right now who are dealing with divorce. There's people right now who are dealing with alcoholism. I know right now there are people in this room who are dealing with addictions, sexual addictions. I know for a fact that there's people in this room right now. And so you don't have to go that far to take your feet and go into the spaces where people need Jesus the most. And it starts here. And helping people become cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. How can we expect our Christianity to have an impact on the world if we aren't willing to get dirty? So I have a question for you guys. Are y'all ready to get dirty? That's a question that you have to think about. Are you ready to leave the neat, comfortable Christianity and go for the Christianity that actually changes lives? Because we can continue down this path. And we can continue to be neat and comfortable and, and, and relaxed and, and safe as the world continues to get progressively worse and worse and worse. And then we can sit back and say, oh, the world is so bad. All these bad things are happening around me. Yet we have the gospel of truth that actually can bring forth life and love and mercy and grace, but we don't do anything about it. How can we expect our Christianity to have an impact on the world if we aren't willing to get dirty? And so some of us have been Christians for a very long time, and, and maybe moments we have decided that we want to get dirty a little bit here, a little bit there, but we haven't really went all the way in. 
We haven't dived all the way into somebody's life, somebody's space, and said, you know, I want to get dirty. And some of us might be thinking to themselves, like, man, my life is in shambles right now. It's hard for me to go into somebody else's space and tell somebody else to clean their house when my house is dirty, too. And I want you to understand that that invitation to maybe get baptized into the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, or to come and receive prayers by the elders or myself, is right here. You can start right here, right now, on the pathway to getting clean, on the pathway to having a new life, a new beginning. And then you can take yourself as a clean vessel of God and put your feet in the spaces where people need Jesus the most, and you don't have to worry about anything because you know I'm covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. So if you have any prayers, anything that you would like for us to talk to you about right now, please come forward now as we stand and as we sing. There's a fountain free, tis for you and me. Let us haste, oh haste to its brink. Tis the fount of love from the source above any bits of